Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. It's the Hobby Hustle. It's Friday, and you know what that means. I'm your host, Brett McGrath, and I'm bringing a conversation to you that's going to get you to think a conversation that I'm learning something from, and I know it's going to be a conversation you're going to learn something from. I got my man, Corey, who you know him as Yamwax. Yamwax is everywhere. I brought him on the show to talk about his diverse collecting, the rabbit holes that he goes into to find these gems. We cover a lot of ground. If you're not signed up for the weekly rip, what are you doing? Hit the link in my bio, sign up for the newsletter. Weekly rip number three dropped today. I'm excited to share this conversation with Yam, with all of you. Let's not wait anymore. No, let's kick it to the conversation. All right, everybody, welcome back to Stacking Slabs, a hobby hustle. I've got someone on the show that I know a lot of you out there listening know of. It's a guy who seems to pop up everywhere online, and I like that. I think he's got one of the most uh, unique collections and his style is very unique i got my man Corey. you all know him as yamwax what is up yamwax how are you today what is up brother dude it's an absolute honor to uh to be asked to be on stacking slabs and i'm, I'm loving the spot yeah so i'm i'm an enthusiastic guy with a funny name on instagram and and uh you know have a lot of fun with it but so you guys caught me at an interesting time in the hobby in my life uh maybe once every couple of years i grow a beard and then you got to have a little fun with it. So I've, I've shaved it off to leave just the mustache for the moment. And my wife hates it all. So, but every one of my nick, my mustaches comes with a nickname uh, every time we do this. This one goes by the Dabney. Are you familiar with Dabney Coleman? I don't think so. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I popped him up on the screen. He was a classic like 70s, 80s star, um, you know, back in the day when you could be sort of like balding and be like uh you know, a mustachio Gene Hackman sort of. You, I, the reason I thought of him is because I just watched this movie, Cloak and Dagger, with my son. And I love this movie when I was a kid. Like, he played this guy who's a spy named Jack Flack. You can see him on the left there. Dude, Jack Flack was the man. And, like, I just watched it. It holds up. It holds up. It was a good watch. My son, I love going back to the throwback movies. But, yeah, so this is uh, after Dabney Coleman, the Dabney. And it'll be gone tomorrow. That that's amazing. Uh, you, I, I think when I think of you, I, it's uh, and I see you come up wh- whatever feed it's in. There's always something very nostalgic about what you're posting, typically, and I think that's what I appreciate most about your interactions and uh, what you bring to the hobby. And I know you've I've, you've talked about this somewhere. You know, you, stuff happens so quick on the internet, and you forget about it. But what's the origin story for the yam the yam wax moniker? Oh sure, man. I'll cover it quick. Like you get people that think like, hey, it's after the the as a fruit or a vegetable. I should know. It's in my name. It's not that. Some people think like I'm competing with Gwyneth Paltrow offering some beauty product like a paraffin that's great for your skin. No, it's not that kind of wax. Yam actually, I just like I needed to put a name together really quickly and threw down a bunch of terms that I enjoy about sports and the hobby. And I'm actually like, as much as I zag into all kinds of stuff, I love basketball most of all. And yam is like my favorite slang term in basketball. You know, I mean, it's like dunk on somebody to yam on them. 
And then wax was on there just because it's a hobby term. I put those together and saw it was actually on IG. And I'm like, boom, that's it. And I wasn't even going by like Yam in the beginning. I put my real name and, and Yam Wax next to it. But like people started just referring to me as Yam. I thought, well, I might as well just run with this. And so ever since I've just been Yam and, you know, in the hobby here. I love it. I love it. works. Like it's very <laughs> memorable, even though it just kind of came together like that for you. It's, it's a memorable name. Um, you know, and you, you've referenced uh, kind of zagging or zigging or whatever we want to call it. But I think I've learned so much from your page and your account, just from you digging in deep, you talking about things that maybe I don't necessarily even have interest in. However, the way you're describing them and talking about them, you you give credence to items and you give history and you're sharing perspective. Like, where does that part of your um, operating in the hobby come from? Gotcha. You know, th- this is a hobby for me, right? Like we have our day jobs and they're stressful and I'm out here to make connections and meet people and and, and for me, like, I, if I'm going to be in on something, like, I want to know all about it. I want to learn all the details. And then if I can compile that and share it with other people, uh, whether it's just a few people that are interested or a whole bunch, like, I love that. Um, I wish, you know, I, I have so much respect for guys in the hobby that are buddies of ours, like uh, Josh, Cardboard Chronicles, Chris, HOJ, uh, and those guys who have shared so much knowledge about, you know, the interest they're in. And they've got that corner, right? Like, and by the time I got in the hobby in 2018, it was it was pretty late to like to really be able to go after some of those big pieces. That's probably where I would have been years ago. But for me, like I'm like, hey, where can I find opportunity? And where I find that opportunity, um, I dig in as deep as I can. I, you know, I, I like to share those stories, um, get into the details, so I can help other people out. Yeah, no, and I think that that's one thing that, and I've talked a lot about this, and I'd love your reaction. But it seems to me like the people in the hobby who are growing their following who are making the strongest connections are not necessarily going off and showing their PCs around, but they're mostly, that's a part of it, but, but they're mostly like educating and they're mostly like sharing perspective and unlocking the door to some things that are happening because there's this abundance of mindset that it's like, if I give back to the hobby, like eventually it'll come around to me. So I, I, when I, when I follow you, that's what I see from you. So Maybe talk to me about just the way you communicate and the way you share. Got it. I mean, I think being a hobby, being an outlet for fun, especially in you know times times of pandemic, it's like we're out here making connections, and I'm operating in a lot of the same way as if I was getting ready to go and meet my buddies uh, for beers, you know, over at a buddy's house to hang out for the night and have a you know scotch tasting party or something, right? Like I'm like I want to come with some interesting things to share whether it's physical items or just some stories or latest articles I've read and, uh, and piece together a, a fun narrative there. And so like when I'm operating on the hobby, my, my page kind of varies where I'm sometimes posting sort of like jokey, fun videos I'm experimenting with, or I'm posting um, those background stories. Like a lot of it is just thinking like, Hey, if I was hanging out with a friend, with my good buddies, what would I want to share with them? What, give them some insights, tips about, Hey, maybe some investment that they could make. I, and I'm not an investment focused, but just like, Hey, here's something you might want to look into. Um, here or here's something really interesting or really neat that you guys sh- you know should do with your kids or you know uh, here's some funny story that happened to me this week and I'm like you kind of think about those things as you were like walking over to the happy hour uh, and, and so for me it's like this is the online happy hour to reach out and share that story because then you're exactly right people share uh, stories back uh, whether it's in the comments but you get the DMs and stuff and it's just a blast connecting with people 
uh, around, you know, that's, that's what it's all about. Like we, we put out our interests and that comes back to, you know, shared way. I, I guess I should dive in a little bit on like, I think I've started to figure out like why I dive into so many different areas. And part of it is like, I grew up, I grew up a baseball kid, uh, in a pretty little town, like exurb of the twin cities here in Minnesota. And we had one store that sold cards. And the only thing they ever sold was baseball cards. You know, so I'd go and I, I'd love to get a Kirby Puckett because he was my hero in the 80s. And so we, we were pretty happy doing that. I loved, you know, trying to put together sets. Eventually, a little sh- a shop opened up in the strip mall in town, but all they sold was baseball. They had a lot of singles, again, all baseball. And so when I got back in the hobby, you see like this world of opportunity. You can chase all these different things via eBay. And I, I, you know, I'm the literal kid in the candy store, just chasing down all these different, I started with really vintage basketball in the beginning, but, but quickly like kept moving into one different thing at a time. So every month I'm usually sort of looking into a new zag or building on my, well, building on my legacy collections. That's, that's awesome. And how, how do you, I love the story of, uh, the Kirby pocket chasing. I think everybody can relate at some level to that store we went to growing up and whether it was chasing singles or packs of your favorite player. Um, that's something most everyone did and can relate with. How do you not, I guess, how do you focus in? Because I go and I'm, I'm learning a lot of different things from you. How mm-hmm. do you choose and to d- decide what area of the hobby that you're going to maybe zag towards or focus in on? Where does this come from? So in the beginning, I was looking in the beginning, I uh, went to a shop because my son, my youngest wanted to get into Pokemon and get cooler cards than his buddy's hat. So we went to a shop and, you know, he went and looked at the Pokemon cards and I was like, Oh, basketball cards. That's the jam right there. Like I, you know, I knew there were basketball cards, but I, I just completely missed the era of collecting from 1990 to 2018. And I started flipping through Rodman's and all these great nineties cards that bring back. I didn't collect then, but I, but I watched basketball fervently. And so I'm, I'm having a blast with it. And, but then realizing how expensive that it all got yet. And I thought, you know, with, I don't want to put a lot of money in to begin with. And, and looking back, I really should have, but I started with, um, with basketball and it seemed like I couldn't believe how inexpensive some of the vintage stuff was. So that was really my first zag in a way. Cause at that time, you know, I was picking up uh, Kareem rookies for hundreds of dollars, not thousands of dollars, you know, and, and Bill Russell and Mike in and, um, made a list of like the greatest of all time players. And then I started picking up football players. I thought I'm going to get goats. I might as well get a Babe Ruth and get a Montana. And, and so I picked up a lot of those pieces and of course I was dumb at the time. So I'm buying sometimes OCs and some cards I wouldn't have got now, but, um, but I still love them cards. They're the ones I picked up first and, you know, they're that journey through the hobby. And, and then, you know, so things go crazy. I think what spurs it, I probably would continue to like move up into different basketball cards. But things got so nuts. I'm like, okay, where is, where aren't people looking right now? Right. Um, I guess I, you know, I'll tell you about like this week, the last couple of weeks. Uh, I don't want people to be afraid that I'm getting away from cards because I'm I'm not. But um, one of the reasons I, I create or collect cards is the culture and the art of it. Uh, I think some of these you know cards are just gorgeous. And this week with that giant Beeple NFT sale, did you hear about this? Like sixty nine million dollars. Uh, Ridicu- ridiculous yeah my yeah. wife my i know it's a big deal because my wife told me about it so it caught her attention and she shared it with me right yeah my family knew about it too and i'm i'm actually a people fan like i've been following him for a couple months i loved his art and just uh, but i never picked any of it up 
And so I see everybody, as soon as that NFT was up for auction and rumored to be going in probably the low millions, not 69 million, I was like, I better start picking up some of his pieces, but I'm not an NFT guy. Like I'm not doing a lot with crypto right now. I've done some in the past and I, I don't have one NFT, but I'm like, the guy's got to have prints, right? Like he's a digital artist, but he does have some limited prints. And so I've spent the last like about a week going and finding limited prints that people has created and buying those. And, uh, and it's been a fun journey. I use all the tools from cards, like reaching out to individuals, going on forums, doing Google searches, you know, like going beyond eBay. And I've picked up, you know, a, a number of limited print pieces of those prints when now they're really untouchable. After that sale, everything sold out immediately. And, and what's left out there is going for thousands of dollars. And I was lucky to be like just ahead of that because I was looking at prints when everybody else was looking at NFTs. That's anticipation is the key word there. It seems like you have a knack for that. I want to maybe go back to the vintage basketball because you, when you got back in, your son was buying Pokemon. You were probably looking around and you were like, oh, these are the players I, I like. Maybe I grew up with. So mm -hmm. I want to go down these rabbit holes. And so you started buying up these vintage basketball cards because you liked them and because they probably brought that maybe the card, the artwork triggered something. Maybe it was something about just the nostalgia of watching them growing up. So you bought these cards at a good price, I would assume, based on what they are today. And then yeah. you're probably sitting on these cards and you in 2018 to 2021, you see now of all of this boom happening and more interest on those cards. And so the prices go up. Seeing the value, obviously, of cards that you own go up probably makes you happy. But like, how much of, of a role does that play in your pursuit of things? Um, I enjoyed it somewhat, but it kills you to think back and think about like, why didn't I pick up two? <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's now it's like, I, I want to keep these cards, but there are times when the values have gone up so much. And oh yeah, I've got a big grading bill to pay right now. Right. And mm. I would like to trade into some other big chases that I'm after. And and you start thinking about cards and you do get that attachment to it. So, you know, like, but I, I love history, like a 48 Mike in, um, I hold this card. It's the first ever basketball set, the 1948 Bowman set. And it just feels so significant. And I think it was the history chase. Like I didn't see Kareem or Mike in play or anything like that. Right. Like I'm 45. So I mostly saw nineties guys and eighties guys play, but, um, but I've read all about them. And, you know, you hear the stories if you're around the basketball or football scene, you know, I picked up Unitas and, and I just, I worship these guys. So it is hard to let go. I don't know if, um, if the listeners out there can relate, but like one of the things that happens to me, I don't know if this happens to anybody else is you fall in love with a card and you can't stop buying it. <laughs> so this is just a handful of the Walters that I have. And I don't have anything huge. My biggest is an eight. This is the lowest of three. Anything between a three and an eight over the last year that I saw going cheap, I'm just like, oh, I'm not going to let that go that cheap. So, uh, so what, what, talk to me about the range of price of that card that you bought. Like, what is the range that you've paid and, and where, where is it now? I've seen that card sure. gain some traction, but where is it now too? Yeah. The, um, so the threes I was picking up, I don't even know what the lower end ones are going for, uh, but the threes are going for hundred dollars. Let's say I bought a three, four, and I think they're now, I don't know, three, $400. I'm not sure, but on the eight side. So the eight that I have, I don't have it here. It's a PWCC. Um, but the eight went from, I think I paid six or $700. And now I believe they're going over 2k. Um, and, and that's just in a year. 
So just like everything else, a lot of the vintage football stuff has tripled, quadrupled, and so on, for sure. Um, but but it's just like, what is, what is the book, Holden Caulfield's the, the Catcher in the Rye? Like, what does it mean when you have that many of one card? My dad was my dad was raised uh, uh, in the Holden Caulfield thing. Was like they, the wives' tale is that, or the you know kind of rumor is that serial killers and, and different people have when they've been apprehended, they have multiple copies of the Catcher in the Rye. And I'm glad I have Walter Payton instead. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Payton to me was like he was so incredible. Uh, he was the biggest like superhero when I was a kid. My dad was a Chicago Bears fan. And I was 10 years old in 1985 when the Super Bowl shuffle and the championship happened. Uh, and it was just such a, such a vibe, you know, and, and I'd hear like a lot of cards to me, really, I hold, and I, I draw inspiration from them. I know it sounds corny and cheesy, but like, I, I look at Walter and I think about Walter and I think about like how hard he worked. And I think about, well, you know, maybe I could pick up the slack a little bit, uh, running my business or chasing cards or whatever it is. Uh, have you heard about Walter Payton's Hill that he would run? Uh, I have, it's been a while. So why don't you share, share with the listeners? So I don't know if you can see on my screen, but I just pulled up a picture of the Hill. Uh, Walter Payton famously would train on a Hill near his home. And I've heard about the Hill for years. I just looked it up a couple days ago. I can't believe how freaking steep that Hill is that he would run to train on. And so he's famous for doing these incredible workout routines where he would bring people up to this to this hill near his home. Uh, and, and when people asked about like, so what did it mean to work out the hill and, and how did you approach it? And he would say like, I literally planned to kill myself every time I ran the hill. Like I wouldn't stop until I felt like I was about to die. And like the look in his face wasn't, he wasn't just saying it as a, as a matter of speech. Like he literally meant he was pushing himself to that limit. Uh, and, and it's no wonder he's like the most durable running back in history. I think he played in consecutive games, like a hundred plus consecutive games, something like 10 straight years of consecutive games, uh, six years leading the league in rushing. And he did that just because he like pushed himself so hard in the offseason. He would bring people up to the hill to run with him and he would like run that hill three, four more times by the time that all the other like fit younger guys were passed out on the side of it. I love that work ethic that I draw from you know, even just having these cards. But um, one of the things that I told myself this year is like you, you can let the cards go crazy on you. And uh, in terms of, well, I, do I need 10 Walter Payton cards? You know, like I just kept, they just were seemed like such a good deal. And I'm not like an investor necessarily, but I'm just like, I can't let that go. I love Walter. I want, <laughs> I'll buy that card. No one We've else all been there. Bucks for it. And so I just get another one. But now I, you know, going into this year, uh, I don't really do New Year's resolutions a lot. This year I decided, it's time to start uh, getting a handle on things, organizing things and selling. Like uh, before this, I'd only ever sold a couple cards in my entire life. Uh, one of them, when it was when I was a kid, I sold a Mark McGuire to get a 10 speed. Um, that was a great trade because I just recently bought it back when I got back in the hobby for like five bucks. So went from 200 to sell a raw one to go buy another raw one for five bucks. That looks good. And I just keep it at my desk to remember that I got around town because of that McGuire. But, um, but anyway, so this year, uh, I decided, you know what, I, I really need to start moving cards so that I can use that to move up into cards, not just always use my income to buy the next lot, right? And, and be more strategic in the hobby. I woke up New Year's morning early, like probably just because I had a few drinks the night before New Year's Eve, and there was a best offer on my Babe Ruth card. And it, I, I'd thrown it out there high and just thought, you know, we'll see what happens, start throwing some cards out. And I'm like, this is a sign. I, I This kills me to hit accept, but this is my resolution. I have to sell this card to pay for uh, some of the other chases that I want to get into. And I just felt like it appreciated the point where 
I could accept that. I know it's going to keep going up, but I think it's a cool thing to have those pieces of history for a while and, and to let them go. And so for me, I, I've now sold now a lot of cards. It's still very hard for me, but I'm starting to move things um, to, to get bigger goals, to get better grades, to get, you know, to, to get into a more, uh, a tighter uh, collection eventually, because people see me all over the place and I certainly am. Have you ever read the book Sapiens by Noah Haral Harari, of all Harari? I, I haven't. No, I, and I'm sorry if I got that name wrong, but um, it's awesome book. Like I think about it all the time. But one of the th- one piece that he dives into in that book is about how perhaps we didn't uh, domesticate wheat, but instead wheat domesticated us. <laughs> Meaning, like if like the uh, goal of any species is to multiply their DNA like exponentially, when the agricultural revolution happened, wheat expanded far beyond humans and did it what did it benefit more humans or uh or the wheat variety itself and you know we're out there like putting up fences to stop rabbits from eating it and we're cultivating it and we're throwing you know animal feces on it to manure to to make it grow and everything right and so i thought about that as i looked at like the piles of cards all around my office i'm like oh my god like my cards are now managing me. I'm not managing my cards. And so it's like, it's going to be a year long process, but I'm starting to send things to PWCC just to get like key big slabs uh, up there. And uh, I'm prepping an order to send to ComC. I'm actually getting more cards graded because I was just surrounded by raw and I was happy with that, but I know I'm not going to be able to move it as easily. So I put in a giant, uh, for me, it was like 350 cards. I know other guys do thousands, but like, you know, it's for a big me, order. Yeah, so I did that all ahead of the price increase, and uh, and that price increase is great motivation. But you know, you think about that, like our our cards managing us. We're throwing them all in top loaders, and we're throwing them in slabs, and um, and we're letting them pile up all around. And you know, I think of the throwing manure on it to make them grow is like the pumpers out there pumping their cards. <laughs> I started like drawing all these connections to this <laughs> thing, and I imagine I hope like Cage Lawyer is out there listening somewhere, so he can be like, "Yeah, there he is out there, just throw it out." These crazy uh, scholarly ideas. Uh, we love to go at each other sometimes in private groups. So yeah. I love it. I love it. And I, I think what you touched on is something everybody out there at some point goes through. And I, I'm struggling right now, man. I'll be honest. Like I've got my collection and it's pretty tight. And I, I love like the cards I have right now. I love, love these cards, mm-hmm. but I know the cards that I want are expensive and I can't just keep getting my paycheck and, you know, taken out of the paycheck and trying to do this. It just doesn't work that way. So like for me, I have to take a hard look at these cards and evaluate and say, is, are, is it time for you to go so I can get more money so I can go buy the, these bigger cards? And it's, it's really difficult and challenging. So mm-hmm. how, how you are like, if anybody knows you or follows you, you're a collector through and through. How are you making these decisions and how difficult has it been? I know you're a, a few months into it. You sold a Babe Ruth card, it sounds mm-hmm. like. like what's your evolution been like? Yeah, it's it's hard, dude. Um, that's exactly right. And I, I had to sell cards. It's just now when I did that sub, I'm like, holy cow, I'm going to have some massive fees coming back and I'm going to be in trouble on the home front if I'm just shelling that out of a private checking, right? Like it can't all come out of the PayPal with what I had in it right now. So, you know, I was like a Walter Payton. I thought uh, I'm going to throw the seven out there. I had a you know seven and an eight and, you know, it's going for just over a thousand dollars and 
I, I got that cash to help pay for the Rocky My Via Panini cards that I have coming <laughs> back, right? And I expressed some of those because I know Rob's got a big sale uh, happening for a 1997 Panini at Golden Auctions. And so, you know, you have, you have to make those, those tough choices and other things like where you're, I'm realizing like I have a lot of the cards and they've appreciated. The studio uh, was the one card, the one big card I sold in 2015. And I sold early by where the card went to, but like a LeBron James, Topps Chrome, PSA 10, I had. And uh, I listed it when it went to 15K and I sold it right around that mark. Um, but it helped pay for like, I had it for a year and it went from 1800 to 15K. And I thought, well, I can pour that into some more cards, which I did. But I also used it to buy uh, this, you know, this camera that I'm live streaming on and uh, studio lighting and that kind of stuff, because that benefits me in my day job too. So, it, you know, it benefits me in my ability to communicate, whether in the hobby or in my in my day-to-day life. And so we should make these choices uh, that benefit us where, where we feel like I didn't, I think a big thing for me is like, if I thought that I wouldn't see that value for five to 10 years and it happens in a year, it's like, it might be time to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, but that oh, some people would say this mistake, even though it dipped for a while and now it's double what it used to be. Um, I, I have no problem with that sale because it benefited my life. And then I put it into other things, which probably more than doubled from the LeBron. Yeah. And it, it makes it, it all stuff like that too, makes for a good story. One of the things you said earlier that I, I didn't want to gloss over because I think it's important. I've never heard anyone really talk about it in this way. Like I think sports cards, the reason why I like it so much is because the more you dive in, put in the time, build the relationships and do the work, usually the more you'll be rewarded. Yes, it doesn't always work out that way, but like putting in the effort and nothing happens overnight, just sticking to it and give, putting a high volume of activity typically leads to greater results on the other side. I believe that is true. You talked about Walter Payton in terms of this guy works his ass off. He's climbing up a hill. Like it's an area of inspiration for you, hard work. Maybe with that being said, I know you're spending a lot of time like uncovering gems and digging into reports. Like, how much does that resonate with you that like the more time you're putting in, kind of the, the more fun you're having, the more rewarding, rewarded you're getting, maybe getting ahead of trends? Like, talk to me about that. Well, it's the easiest work in the world to get motivated to do you know, to, to dig in and try to find really cool cards and, and zags. And so it's, it's not that I don't need that much motivation from Walter to get me off my butt to go to do that kind of work really. But, uh, you know, it's busy. Life is busy kids, um, and, and running a business and, and then doing this, like it does sometimes say like, Oh, let's, let's keep, let's keep grinding. Let's go to the, let's go beyond where anyone else is going to. I think that's maybe where the motivation comes in. And so you know, the recent pop of Marvel cards. I, I get people sometimes to reach out, think I know a lot about Marvel cards, but the way I often operate when I dive into something is I really zero in on a certain area. So I, I know I missed the Marvel run-up. Um, there were guys that that were on that and kudos to them. That's just awesome. And I, I celebrate everybody that has those early, like get after things early and get those wins. But I knew that there had to still be opportunity. Anytime you see a rise, there's going to be follow-on. Um, so, and again, I'm, I'm doing it cause I want to find kind of niche kind of cool things. And so one of those things that I, that I found was that there is, uh, I've learned from a guy, a YouTube channel, flipping Steve had talked about this, a comic with the Deadpool rookie, mm. um, inside in the back of it. And there, 
they're really tough, even though there's a lot of the X-Force comics out there, like literally hundreds of thousands of them, number one. The back of them, they're rare to find really nicely centered or even like still sealed that have the card inside of them. So I'm buying up tons of those at seven to ten dollars a piece. And then, you know, one of these recently sold in a PSA 10 for like, I think it was like six or seven thousand dollars. Um, now it's not gonna be easy to get a 10, but I have sub like 10 of them now. I picked out my 10 best ones and they're off. And I, you know, hopefully even if I get eights and nines, it's pretty fun. But I think it's just awesome to have the Deadpool rookie and be able to share that and go to Steve for he was the one that kind of came across it. But then um, I found there was also a comic images version of the Deadpool from that same year, from 1991, uh, which comes before the 92 one that everybody else was chasing because they just didn't realize there's these variations out there. And so I picked up some of those too and chased those down. And then I also bought some of the 1989 McFarlane because I know what a gigantic artist McFarlane is and makes like really, really cool cards. And he has a, he has a set from 1989 that's a pop one total across the whole set. There's only like one card grade in that whole set. Talk about like just an easy opportunity to go in and get some cool cards and get them in slabs. I love the look of a card in a slab. Sometimes uh, the collector types uh, don't even understand like why anyone would grade a card, especially in some of these niche markets that I go into. They 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 really just they don't understand the collecting aspect because uh, they're more into the gameplay and they certainly don't understand the flippers. But um, and I get my understanding is that's the case in Marvel is that some of these guys almost are like, you know, in the mummy, how there are those guys who go out and they like when the hero in the mummy goes in to try to get you know, the, the treasure, there's like these guys appear out of the desert out of nowhere. Right. Uh, as, as like defenders of the secrets. And sometimes those guys uh, like in these TCG gaming groups and so on, if you dive into a new niche, they really get uh, protective and they want to make sure that you're mm. true and authentic and really interested. And even then, you know, like they want to know you're planning to hold for a long time, even if you're a collector. And so it's really interesting going in those areas. But I think one thing I try to think of is like, ultimately, we both have the same bad guy in the end, you know, like the mummy in the mummy, uh, Imhotep or whatever. To us, I think that's disinterest. So if investors aren't interested or if people aren't interested in playing that game anymore, and we all lose. And so like, let's all support each other and find ways to make that ecosystem kind of work for everybody and, and you know, and, and not step on toes and do your best to connect with people. I love that. Yeah, I agree. Like everyone plays a role in the more accepting we can all be not knowing that not everyone does it the way you do it. I think we'll be better for it. Um, and I like yeah. what you said about the, uh, there's so so many times there'll be something, mostly we're going to get into it, but mostly for me, it's been wrestling card stuff where I've gone through a rabbit hole and then eventually I'll lead to the PSA pop report and I'll look and I'll just be like, there's like two or three of these cards graded. How's this even possible? And to me, that's, that's exciting because it's not only do I love it, but I see that there's an opportunity out there. And so I think when all those things, and I'm sure it's something you go through a lot because you're digging in a lot of different holes, but when all those things line up where it's like a card you think is cool, then you're finding out that it's affordable. You're finding out that there's potentially someone, maybe a lot of people that'll be interested in it down the road. And then you go and hit the pop reports and you see there's no, no cards and slabs like that. That's exciting to me. Is, is that like, does I know that doesn't happen every day or every week, but when that hits, it's got to be exciting for you, right? Yeah, man. Hey, you're so you're in Indianapolis, and when I drive drive through Indy, I'm every time taken by 
how freaking huge Lucas Oil Stadium is. It is a monolithic stadium in the middle of Indianapolis. Am I right? When you drive on the interstate and you look at it on the like city skyline, it's absurd how much it takes up. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And it's tall. So I just looked it up. It's 270 feet tall. I was doing a little experiment trying to like figure out if you stacked slabs, stacking slabs <laughs> on top of each other of various uh, cards, like what would they actually reach? So I took uh, the numbers of Zion and Luca individually. If you take all of their prism base cards for either one, they're both at what, about 15K a piece, right? You stack them up. That reaches almost as high as Lucas Oil Stadium, right about at that height. If you take prism and silver, it exceeds it. So if you take all their prisms and silvers combined, it's taller than Lucas Oil Stadium. And so if you picture like these wrestling cards that you and I know, or whatever it is that you're chasing, whether it's vintage or you're into some um, rare inserts, and you see pops like 30, that's the size of like, you know, 20 ounce soda. You know, take take my 20 ounce uh, Diet Pepsi here and set that at the base of Lucas Oil Stadium. <laughs> and that's how big your pop is on, like, let's say, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson cards or Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, uh, Michael Jordan inserts and stuff like those low pops of 10 to 20. You can just then picture them like with this giant, massive thing hovering over. Um, and so I'm actually working on a post to like show like different heights of some of these pop reports and how they relate to people. Uh, or how they relate to physical objects, but 270 feet, that's uh, that's your Lucas Zion pop. And so you imagine like literally staggering <laughs> heights of slabs and then just place one at the bottom of that stadium. And that's your, you know, that's your pop one, uh, uh, like PSA 10, um, George Mikan. There's one PSA 10 out there, right? Um, you're right now, the, uh, the 1997 Cardinal Rocky Maivia card, the rocks wrestling, one of the two wrestling rookies, you know, that's pop five. And then, um, the 1997 Panini is currently a pop two, although, you know, all those pops will grow. So it's just, it, when you see those and you get the chance to, to buy into those cards, it's like mind blowing thinking if it gets any interest at all, what that does to the interest and the value. And to me, it's like the interest to just be able to like have one of those cards and talk about it, um, is, is a super fun place to be. Another thing I'll say, though, kind of a detractor of investing in lots of different areas um, that I've found is that my budget really gets spread around. Mm -hmm. So it keeps you creative in that you are chasing, you know, the the rare opportunities. But there are times when it certainly would make more sense and I even want to go in on a bigger card and a bigger grade. But I've spread myself across a lot of different investment areas. and And, you know, so I think that's part of like I see these opportunities I'd love to chase at times, but I'm just... I'm usually investing in those early days instead of on the run-up. And there's places where like, I'd like to be a little bit more on the run-up. And so I'm, th those are the areas I'd like to consolidate into, you know, perhaps for 2022. Yeah. I, I, first of all, I love the visual. Now, I, as a season ticket holder, I'm not sure I can walk into Lucas Oil without thinking of a stack of the whole population of PSA 10 <laughs> Luka Doncic Prism <laughs> Zion cards. Uh, right? that's, yeah, that's good. Um, so I want to talk, let's talk about the rock. I want to do that. But before we do that, uh, let's talk about this 97 Cardinal trivia set. And I'm fascinated by it from a lot of different levels. I think mm -hmm. this set to now in other circles that I, because I operate in a lot of wrestling circles. So like, obviously the wrestling cards are eventually going to hit those circles. And it seems like everyone in those areas remembers that the having that trivia set as a kid, they're going, calling their parents asking for the set. And there's this element that yes, there might be 
these Rocky Maivia cards, you might have them in your closet or they might be plentiful, but it seems to me that really the value is the scarcity of the grades. So the PSA 10, that is, or the 9.5, like based on this being a trading card game and these being used and being a lot of different hands, like there's that factor that causes them to, people just didn't think of them as like collectibles necessarily. And then a lot of them are off-centered. So I know you've been around these cards a lot. You've you've bought some, you've looked at them. Like, talk to me about just like the conditioning of these cards and, and what you've seen. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's fun. So the I think it's a I think it's a really fun card. It's an imperfect rookie card in some ways. And I think you're touching on that. And uh, I'll go a little further. But so the 1997 Cardinal from the trivia game, they have these yellow borders. I have an Undertaker here. Uh, because my rocks are at PSA right now. Um, but yeah, they're, they are tough, even new. So I've opened one new box and things were within the box. Even some of the cards were curled. Uh, things were off center, big time miscuts and dinged corners. And that was in, within a sealed pack. And so I think a lot of people are spending thousands of dollars to buy those trivia sets sealed. And I bought, you know, well before that, but, and, and finding that it's not as successful as they think. Now, the total pop is actually really low right now, Brad. It's like 80, I think, total uh, rocks graded so far. Uh, and PSA 10s, there's only five, of course, and it, you know that shows the condition. But we'll see more. You know, We're seeing these pop up raw all over the place, right? And, and so we're going to see more of them because people are going to chase these down. But I think that's part of the fun. It's, it's actually one of the benefits of this card is that you can find it at a garage sale. It's like one of the great garage mm-hmm. sale searches out there to try to find the 1997 freaking trivia WWF set. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> But, uh, you know, in Salvation Armies and oh, you can see it on the back of this one. This one's really off center on the back. Uh-huh. Um, right. But and so both sides can be bad. But it, it was sort of like it was hard to find a rock rookie card because really the Bumblebee um, respect to it has become like the most goaded XRC in all of sports cards right now. But it is an XRC, right? It's a college card. And I think a lot of us were surprised by how much that that ran up. But since the Rock talked about it, Timbaland has showed us off. He's going to be selling his, it sounds like, in the next golden auction. Um, and it's going crazy. And so, like, that is, like, it's up there with the best. But I think a lot of us are searching for what is the Rock's true rookie card. And uh, I started to go around the 1997 Cardinal because it seemed like the best bet. Have you heard the phrase, the curse of knowledge? Yep. So it's like when, when you're in a hobby and you're in so deep that you just sort of know all the vernacular and, you know, you really start to, like, worship things within your niche of people. Um, and everything is buzzwords and terms that other people don't know, jargon. And I sometimes feel that like as someone who hops around a lot of hobbies, like I have the benefit of having been in the sports card hobby with all the, like, you know, all the volume that we have, but then jump into a zag. And I think in wrestling, people really get like, uh, into these rare cards, but they're not necessarily like pop pop culture stars. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, even some like Jericho is a big star, but like even Jericho's Corazon, I don't think many people in the hobby know that the Corazon is like as rare and limited and sought after it is, but within wrestling, it's like one of the grails, right? Right. But, um, so I I'm a pop culture collector. And so I'm looking for the Andres and the stone colds and the rocks and the Cena's, uh, and, and some of those. And I think when other people come in, that's the same thing that they're going to do. And so it's like, but when new people come into a hobby, uh, I think what the wrestling fans don't know, like, or these fans in any niche don't realize is they're really going to want like a definitive rookie. Like, what is my rookie? 
And so sometimes we have these fights within our sub niches about like, okay, what is the hobby? And that's not always the best thing for it for when new people come in. And so I, I was trying to like push the envelope, like let's kind of all try to get around the Cardinal because it just seemed to have the best that is a real card. Um, it's cool looking pose. I really like the Rocky Maivia from that set. And, but then now this 1997 Panini has appeared out of nowhere. Uh, and one of the issues with the Cardinal is, is this trivia card. It's from a game. It's not packed pulled. It has these issues. And I think, I think the 1997 uh, Panini card is going to be a banger. Like it already is, right? Like people already sell it. It's selling for a, a lot. There's the number 113 rock. And I've bought a few boxes of these. I have a few at PSA. But um, it has the three variations, like the flying rock, the pin rock, and then the main one, the number 113. And the beauty of it is like, it's like, I feel like the hobby gods like brought this down to us to say like, here is a real rookie card. You know, this is a Panini major brand. Um, you pull it out of packs. I had, I had a blast opening these boxes because you pull a rock and you get that feeling of freaking out like you do when you pull a Charizard or whatever. And you, you see like a guy screaming on YouTube. Like that's how I felt when I pulled, you know, the, the rock, like if you buy the trivia game, you know, it's going to have all those characters in there, mm-hmm. but you get to actually open packs. And the fact that we get to live this again, just like the kids in Italy and Europe did back in the nineties when they were trying to put them in sticker books <laughs> and stuff. And so like Rob, uh, these guys, supposedly Rob says, uh, Rob King, the wrestling card King said that, you know, they found these in a pal or a warehouse somewhere in, in Egypt. And, um, you know, these Panini stickers hadn't been seen really by any Americans before. None of us knew about them because they'd only been thrown in sticker books back in the nineties by Italian kids. So it's, it's been a blast to have, you know, the English language stickers from, from Panini that, you know, I think are going to, they look amazing in slabs. And so I'm really excited for Rob's to hit golden next, uh, next week. It sounds like, and see how it does at auction, because it feels like, Hey, here's, here's a real pro wrestling rookie card of the rock that has less debate than something like the Cardinal or something like the Bendham's figures. Uh, we were talking about this earlier, but you know, there's these like 1997 Rocky might be a Bendham figures with a card on the back that you can kind of cut out. And there's not a lot of those either. They'll be low cost. I think any early rock cards, like you can't go wrong. So I'm excited about them. I love it. And I saw the, I hadn't seen the back of the Panini. So in my background, you got, I've got these wrestling figures, the superstars that says on the back there, that's the exact same uh, emblem. Yep. That's exactly the top of that figure that I'm pointing to at the top. And these are, those were released in 97. So it all adds up and makes sense. And they're a sticker. Uh, they're a little thicker stock than a sticker, so they're more like a sticker card. But sticker um, card. It used to be that you know stickers couldn't be rookie cards. Like that was a rule for a long time. But then the Mike Tyson changed all that. And with the influx of soccer into the hobby and Maradona uh, like, rookie being a sticker, I think that's kind of out the window now. And you know, perforated cards can be bigger with the Tiger and, and with the Bumblebee. And I think sticker cards are going to be a thing in the hobby for a while now too. So we'll, we'll see where it goes. But yeah, and the wrestling cards are just fascinating in general just because it's not as clear-cut as like baseball basketball and football with rookie cards it's kind of like the market decides and so that's the fascinating i mean you just just talk about the the bumblebee the cardinal the panini sticker and the bendham i mean there's four different cards that you know anyone could maybe say that this is their true rookie so it'll i guess only Mm -hmm. time will tell and the market will decide kind of which one wins yeah. And part of what, just what I'm saying is like, I, I believe that. And I, I know David talks about that. And I actually fully believe in that too, and try to spread my bets across a lot of cards. But I also feel like people coming in and feeling like there's some rhyme or reason to those decisions is helpful as newcomers come into a market. So 
that that's just why I'm excited about the Panini as, as one of the new options that is like, oh, here's here's a card that actually has some rhyme and reason. If you want to go past the Bumblebee and look to a, a wrestling rookie, like that's one that I'm actually uh, Rob has fully sold me on. Like I see the reasons why you might want to might want to get a couple. And, and now I did. So I get that. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Like in the end, the market is going to decide which cards are the coolest. And I really feel good about being in all these early rock cards because he's a giant. Like I think about you think about sports, right? Like I talked about pop culture icons, and that's what I'm investing in a lot of ways with wrestling. Is like sports figures are the superheroes of today. Uh, you've got guys who it's just like celebrities don't necessarily cut through the culture in the same ways that they used to. And I feel like Hollywood is sort of dealing with this, where like uh, Brad Pitt in the '90s was like this guy who cut through to everybody. Like everybody knew these these big figures, and now with the internet, we find our little micro niches and the people that really kind of everybody knows about are your LeBron James, your Kobe's, your Dwayne The Rock Johnson's. Like who is big on that athlete level and on a cultural level, or even just on a cultural level, you're seeing investment in uh, culture cards too. And, you know, whether it's uh, people, I showed a Bill Gates rookie on my page and people went crazy about it. Like that's the card I get asked about the most. Hey, would you sell one of your Bill Gates rookies? It's like an oversized 1997 goofy looking card that I bought for four bucks. And like people ask it, I'll sell it all the time. So that's one. I think when you get those kind of questions, you know, that's a good card to sit on. Plus I love it. Totally. So we've covered a lot of ground here. Maybe we close out with this. I think, you know, I've seen you talk about Pokemon, wrestling, tennis, Harry Potter, vintage basketball. I mean, football. We talked about Walter Payton. Like, what is your area of focus? What's next to you? Like, what are you digging into right now that really excites you that maybe some people can start looking at? Um, well, I was, I was uh, mentioned earlier, the people stuff. So that, but that's not cards. I, I would say it probably is still the Harry Potter. Um, I bought, I've been investing in both the TCG and the um, the Panini stickers. Again, more stickers. I, I'm getting very good at tearing open sticker packs these days. So you've got, you know, pretty, really fun kind of Panini sticker cards um, that come in packs. And so I've been opening those and then also chasing the PCG made by Wizards of the Coast. Um, I think, you know, like if you look at where Harry Potter is, and I'll just make this brief, but Harry Potter came out in movies about two years after Pokemon launched. The last couple of years, what's been booming Pokemon, of course, it was a trading card game. But when you think about uh, nostalgia and that linking up with, with individuals starting to make money and maybe looking at areas to collect. So whether it's guys like Jeremy Dower investing in the books, which I think is really smart, or investing into some of these cards because people just because cards are such a big deal right now and individuals are chasing like the Harry Potter or the Hermione rookie, people are going to want to collect these cards. So I'm, I'm having a blast. And so I, I did secure a lot of those cards over the last couple of months, but now I've like, even going deeper, like it, it gets ridiculous. Like, what is the Dobby rookie? It's so stupid. <laughs> but, but I got a few of them now, and and so you sometimes have to buy like these later sets of those to pick up some of those cards. And but it's it's really fun, and it's actually like it's an enjoyable thing to do with my kids. I, I guess one thing I you know wanted to mention is one thing I always believe in. I'm always looking to do next is you know how do how do I connect with somebody if I'm doing really well in the hobby? Let's say I made a great buy and I did you know I bought ten uh, Harry Potter cards. By throwing stuff out there, I get people that reach out to me with plays. Sometimes I can't believe it. Like you're just giving me research for free. Uh, one of those guys is a guy named Ryan Bitter. Like he's not necessarily like super public on on Instagram posts, but he's always active and participating. And he's reached out to me with a couple really cool plays. Uh, whether it's you know Walt Disney rookie card and, and some of these things, and he's just such a mensch. 
And I'm like, well, I've picked up so many of these Harry Potter cards now. I sent him a few as like, thanks, because I knew he was into them. But, you know, he's he's a kid, you know, he's a younger, he's a younger guy. And so it's like, hey, let's, let's help each other out. And I think that's an important thing to remember. If you're doing well and you've got multiples of something, like, why not spread it out? And so I, I end up sending things out. Um, you know, we look at things like the, uh, the Charizard, the dragon in this hobby. Dragons are, are like, they're badass, right? Like, dragons are awesome. But what does a dragon represent on the dark side? They're laying on their like piles of gold for most of the days, like up in their giant, uh, you know, tower. And they're not flying around being the badasses that we think of most of the time. They're laying there. And these, the old symbol of the dragon was someone who's got like all their coins and their gems and their jewels like stuck to their bellies as they get up. Uh, and every once in a while, they get to be heroic or cool or dangerous or whatever. And so, you know, be, be a cool dragon, be, be dangerous, have some fun. Uh, don't don't let all your jewels just stick to your belly. Like whether you're moving stuff or other stuff, or uh, or or if you've got multiples and like you know you can hook up a young collector, even if it's not the biggest thing. Like I'm really having a blast with that. So that's something I'm always looking to do. Is and and for you guys like you, Brett, creating content. Like I know how much you throw yourself out there, and I appreciate that so much. So you know, like I I love connecting with guys that way. I have, I have a request for you, a favor to the hobby. Yeah, let's do it. What's up? Would you uh, would you be open to reading? one of your daily sermons that you do. I feel like you're, you know, the brother, brother love, brother Brett of the hobby. I'd love to hear you read, uh, read one of your Brettisms out loud. I can do, I can do that for you. I just got, I got brother love, brother love. That's an honor. Bruce Pritchard. Uh, that, Bruce Pritchard in the something to wrestle with podcast was actually like the first podcast that really got me sucked into just podcasting in general. And so yes, on that on that note, I certainly will. I gotta love it. Let's do this. Let's do. Put your hands in the air, everybody. <laughs> for the man out there, this this one's for you specifically, Yam. This re- relates to what we just talked about. So there's always going to be a next thing. Start with your passion. Dig into the reports. Be ahead of it and celebrate when everyone else joins you. That one's for you, Yam Wax, and the hobby community. Because there's always going to be something that's next and new. And if you're passionate about it and you're about it, go find it. And then other people will come join you. And I think a lot of what you are doing, Yam, is finding new things and you're sharing them out. And I think we're a better hobby for that. And I do appreciate it. And thank you so much for taking some time and chatting about. We cover a lot of ground here and a lot of different topics, but that is what I expected because of the diversity of collecting that you dive into on a day-to-day. So I, I do appreciate you sharing some of your knowledge and insights. I love it, buddy. Thanks so much for the opportunity to, uh, to hang out and discuss the things that we love and uh, look forward to continuing to connect in the hobby. If you're not already, go follow at Yamwax everywhere. Thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you soon. You will, bud. I love all that conversation about the rock. If you smell la, 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 la. what the yam is cooking. Take care of yourself, take care of others around you, and I will be back next week. Have a good one.